Dear listeners, I'm Lauren Conlon, and before you embark on this investigative journey with me, I want to offer a sincere word of my acknowledgement and gratitude. When I, as the host, first set out on this path, I was admittedly very green. I lacked the seasoned expertise and finesse that comes with experience in investigative podcasting and reporting. However, Every story has a beginning and an ending, and this podcast represents the start of my own investigative odyssey. So as you dive into these episodes, you may notice rough edges or moments where my inexperience shines through, but please know that every stumble and misstep has been a crucial part of my learning process, and I've embraced each challenge as an opportunity for growth and improvement. So I want to express my heartfelt appreciation to each and every one of you who was stuck with the story despite my imperfections because Grant's story is important. So your support and patience have been invaluable as I've navigated the complexities of investigative podcasting and your feedback, whether constructive criticism, words of encouragement, or maybe something that wasn't so nice has helped me and helped shape this podcast into what it is today. So without further ado, here is Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Lauren Conlin, and welcome to a bonus episode of Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon? So I brought back Tanya Ryman, body language expert, because we got some really good feedback on the episode that she did looking into the family pictures of Aaron Solomon, Gracie, Grant, and Angie, plus the 911 call. So we thought it would be appropriate for Tanya to dissect Aaron's eulogy, which is Oh my gosh, you guys, it's so cringy. I hadn't heard it until pretty recently, and it really does make you pretty sick to your stomach. So this is the 10 or 15-minute speech that Aaron Solomon gives at Grant's funeral. And (laughs) I mean, 
it's it's so cringy. I I don't even want to. Well, Tanya and I get into it, but if you haven't seen it, I put a link to the Freedom for Gracie Instagram account in the podcast notes so you can watch it yourself. And, you know, Tanya and I point out certain things, certain phrases, something that I I didn't say um in the interview with Tanya that really bothered me was when Aaron said that he really believes that things happen for a reason, I mean, I am a very spiritual and religious person, and I don't think that if something happened to one of my children or a family member, I don't think I could get up there and say everything happens for a reason. I think that's a pretty sick, twisted thing to say at a time like that, especially when you know Grant really only died five days prior to this this funeral or, or something close to that. So... Yeah, but I'm I'm going to play the eulogy for you guys uh right now. If you if you've heard it, feel free to just move on through. If you haven't, I really implore you guys to listen. And then I'm going to go right into my interview with Tanya. For those that may not know, I'm Grant's dad. Before I begin, I have to say a huge thank you to everyone who's here, who may be watching, who has reached out via social media, calls, text. The outpouring of prayers and support has been overwhelmingly, indescribably amazing. The entire family appreciates it, feels it. It truly makes a difference. It does help. People have said there are no words. I know there aren't any words, but prayers matter. All right, you've heard a lot about the teenage years with Grant. I'm going to give you a few funny things about Grant you may not know. Most of you may not know. Just a few of us know. You might have noticed in two of the pictures of the slideshow from his birthday, the, the night he was born. If you notice, his eyes were just so wide open. From the moment he was born, he had this wide-eyed curiosity about the entire world. It was like he was studying and exploring every family member that held him that first night, starting with his mom. His eyes were so wide, and because he was passed around with close family, within... An hour, we had given him the nickname Mr. Peepers. That was his first nickname because of his eyes. And he was Mr. Peepers for a few years until things graduated and other stuff. Now, thanks to um, sports playing a major role in the lives of both of his parents growing up, Mr. Peepers had a baseball, a football, a basketball, and a basketball goal in his crib when he got home from the hospital. Got to start him early, right, coaches? You know? But his curiosity went way beyond just sports. You may have also noticed a couple of pictures from the slideshow that appeared to be dinosaur-themed, right? If you noticed that, that was the great dinosaur birthday party, complete with one of the grandmas in costume, Because Grant loved dinosaurs, couldn't get enough. So from like age two to four, 
Me and Angie found every dinosaur book we could find on the planet. And he wanted me to teach him how to pronounce every name properly. Like at two and a half. I'm not kidding. So I'm, I'm not talking like T-Rex and Velociraptor, man. That's, that's the easy stuff. He's got that. No, I'm talking Brachiosaurus. I'm talking about Archaeopteryx. Yeah, you didn't know that one. I'm talking about Gigantosaurus. Yes, five-syllable dinosaur names. and all of, all of them. He knew how to say all of them correctly. And he would correct adults often if you spoke them incorrectly. But he would do it in a nice way. Now, around that same age, um, we found out that he really liked baseball and he wasn't too bad. Um, he had not turned three years old yet. We're in the yard and he's hitting a plastic ball with a plastic bat off a plastic tee. And he's cranking some out. Mind you, he's not three yet. And all of a sudden, he just leans over, knocks the tee down and says, I don't need that anymore. And me and Angie look at each other like, what is, what is he talking about? He's not even three. Um, but I'm like, hey, he's calling me. Out. Okay, I got you. So I get the ball. I get like 10, 12 feet away. And, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm, it's the little soft, gentle, soft toss. First one cranked up on the roof of the house. I'm not kidding. Me and Angie look at each other with jaws on the ground. We're like, all right. And I'm like, all right, let me get that ball back. That was just beginner's luck, right? Right? Second softball, just boom, 10 feet away. Cranked up onto the roof of the house again. I'm like, all right. I get the ball. I'm like, all right, let's try this out. So I get about 15 or 16 feet away. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. And I give an overhand pitch. You can probably guess what happened. An absolute laser that like almost takes out a window on the side of the house and it's, you know, it's a plastic ball. And we're just like, what in the world? So from that moment on, he's not even three. I threw overhand like that to him even last week. One little side note. T-ball parents were tripping out when that started happening because he started playing immediately in T-ball and I'm throwing overhand to a T-ball player and and that kind of, you know, they were like, whoa, and then they saw. All right, there's a couple funny stories that a lot of you didn't know. Now, as long as I can remember, I've always believed that things happen for a reason. And I think maybe it was born from the fact that my birth father died in Vietnam when I was seven months old. So for years as a kid, I wondered why, you know, we're all wondering why right now. But then later, I realized that it had to be a godly thing. He was the why. If my dad had not died... My mom would not have remarried the man who loved me, adopted me, and raised me, and moved us to Tennessee, which led me to having two amazing sisters. It also allowed me to meet Angie, which led Angie to giving birth to the two most amazing 
children, Grant and Gracie, godly things. The way we were led to discovering Grace Christian Academy, we discovered it during its first year. Tiny school started right in this building. Then Grant started here in third grade and Gracie was in preschool in its second year of existence. And you've heard from a couple of his original classmates that have been with him along this journey. But that's a godly thing that we ended up here, that Grant and Gracie ended up here. Fast forward to Monday morning. Around 845, something happens right beside me that is such a blink of the eye, bizarre, fluky, tragic, unexplainable accident that takes Grant's spirit from this earth. And the only way I can rationalize it in my mind is it's a godly thing. And while it has me, his mom, his sister, his girlfriend, his family, his scores of friends, teachers, coaches, and teammates, heartbroken, mad, confused, and a lot of us asking why. Ever since Monday morning, I, along with his mom, his sister, his girlfriend, his best friend, his family, his scores of friends, teachers, coaches, and teammates have been experiencing Grantly things. And Pastor Steve, pardon me, I don't mean that in a blasphemous way. At Monday night's prayer vigil, Ed Cash starts talking about Grant and the most vibrant rainbow I've ever seen appears right there in front of us. You can see both ends, which I've never seen. And it's right in front of the gathering, and it's actually almost a mirror image of the formation of the ark that the crowd had gathered in right there. That's a grantly thing. At the same time, 763 miles away in Sarasota, Florida, Grant's good friend and former teammate, Carson Ford, who was just up here, is sitting on the beach in Sarasota, mourning about the loss of his friend and thinking about Grant. He didn't know anything about the rainbow back here in Leapers Fort, but guess what appeared to Carson? A rainbow. That's a Grantly thing. And of course, as we've all shared and talked about, there have been multiple rainbows around all over here ever since Monday. And ever since Monday, Angie and I have been bombarded with stories from people a lot like what you've heard, but of other ages as well, adults, um, people that he didn't play with and go to school with, people who hadn't met him. But telling us how Grant positively impacted their life. There are scores more that didn't even share today that have been shared with us, and that means a lot. One young man came through the visitation line last night and gave me an envelope with five written pages. Um, three to me explaining what Grant meant to him, and two more pages written to Grant telling Grant what he meant, which is a lot of what you've heard.
what truly warms our heart to know that our son made people feel that way. I know it warms mine. Lots of stories. Just this morning, Brent Doherty, a friend of mine, sends me a picture of his son, Will, at a 13U baseball tournament in Jackson, Tennessee, with his son wearing the crosses painted on his face. And he's 12. And he said, 4G money. But the Grantley thing that so far blows my mind the most After the accident scene was cleared Monday, a man was looking around the scene and found Grant's cell phone, his GCA baseball hat, and what's left of the sports goggles he was wearing. Ironically, this man just happens to know one of my best friends, Lee, and gets my number from Lee, texts me to know that he has Grant's things and he wants them returned to his family. This man is 55, 56 years old, admits to Lee that he has never in his life been a believer, ever. Had done a couple things in his life and lived rough, just didn't believe. But he tells Lee, what happened to Grant Monday has affected him so deeply that he's a believer now. That is Grant teaming up with the ultimate coach to win even bigger games than he won down here. That's a Grantley thing. Grant and Gracie, you have both made me the proudest dad in the world since the day you were born. Grant, I have wished since 8.45 Monday morning that I could trade places with you so that Gracie would have her brother and that Gracie and Angie and the rest of the people who love you wouldn't hurt so deeply and that you could live on and do great things here on this earth, but you have already done more on this earth than me and many other people that I know will ever do in a lifetime. And for those of you who are grieving and hurting so deeply, like we are, a rising sophomore basketball player at Providence Christian Academy in Murfreesboro said it well when she wrote two pages to my sister, who's her coach, wrote a letter to console her, which included the verse Isaiah 43, 2, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. And she included the quote, grief is the last act of love when we can Grief is the last act of love we can give to those we loved. Where there is great grief, there is great love. I have felt great grief all week, and of course I have, because there is great love for Grant Rhodes, Hafein Solomon. Grant, I will always love you. I'm proud to be your dad. And I can't wait to play catch again with you on that big field of dreams in the sky. All right, everyone, as promised, this is a bonus episode with body language expert, Tanya Ryman, 
I wanted to get Tanya back on the line. You guys provided such good feedback around the episode where Tanya dissected the family pictures, the 911 call. So I felt like it was pretty important to talk about Aaron's speech at Grant's funeral because a lot of people seem to be really disturbed by this. And, you know, you can always make the argument everyone grieves differently, but there's something that really just hits in a weird way about his speech. So Tanya, welcome. Glad to have you back. Thank you very much for having me back. You are so welcome. Um, and, and really, we want to thank you. But off the top of your head, you listen to this speech. What is your first thought? My first thought was he seems too comfortable. And what I mean by that is obviously, you know, we know he's somebody from the media. We know he's somebody who can speak a line without a quiver. But at the same time, when I watched him, even though he's the father uh, of the son who was rolled over by a truck Mm. and he can deliver a line well, his gestures didn't match his words. And what I mean by that is when he initially starts talking, he's all like, so his hand gestures are all over the place and they're not matching his tone of voice nor his pace. And that's one of the things we look for because when somebody is being honest, their gestures will match their wording. So if you can just in your head, imagine how you're speaking about a situation that you're serious with and how your gestures would flow naturally. When you watch him, the gestures don't flow naturally comparatively to what he's saying. That was the first thing that really hit me as a red flag. I think on top of that, his need to not only try to seem like he's being humorous and that there's, he's eliciting humor from the room. Like there's been times where he, he did this and he's like, Oh, I'm not even joking as if the whole room was laughing, but there's silence. So obviously no one was laughing, but that was a line that was just automatically inserted into his speech with the hopes that he might get a laugh. And when he didn't get a laugh, he had to still read that line. Yeah, that was cringy. Oh my gosh. So cringy. A lot of Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable moments. And I think some of the other things, his tone didn't match his natural pace. And what I mean by that is even when he seemed to be crying, even when he seemed to be looking up to the heavens for an answer or for gratification, his tone didn't match. So there were no real emotional moments, even when Mm. he tried to sound like he was choked up. And this is what you get when somebody practices too much. Now, that's not to say that he wasn't feeling emotional Mm -hmm. in From what I have experienced, from what I know, sometimes people practice something so much that the emotional component, although it might be there, just doesn't seem genuine because they've done it so many times. So it seemed like this was something that he had practiced so much that even even if he were emotive, it wouldn't have come across as emotive because it had been done too many times. I mean, I'm... My husband is not overly emotional. I'm just thinking about my own husband. If something, God forbid, were to happen to one of our children, I don't think my husband could, he probably could get out a few sentences. Okay. He probably could get out three or four, right? right. And 
I, I just cannot imagine a world where he could get through an entire speech like that. And by the way, my husband's in sales, okay? He is a salesman by trade. I don't think he could fake that. And something that a lot of people said was that Aaron sounded like a salesman instead of a grieving father. So what do you make well, of that? His sales. That's, that's exactly it. This is why I say like in media, you have to be able to get through a sentence, right? And that's yeah. really easy to say when you're talking about something that's happened thousands of miles away or, you know, not to your family, yes. whatever. But yes. when it's you, it's when it's your literal house, mm. it's almost impossible to imagine that somebody can so easily march through these trenches and not feel the pangs of emotion. And and little things that he said, like he used a word that I thought was bizarre. He, mm. he used the word fluky. Yeah. Wait, what was that? I, I chose to just ignore that because it was so yeah. weird. That's yeah. I'm glad yes. you mentioned that. So, he, he- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And then he said something along the lines of, oh, uh, one of his friends called him G-Money. Like, those are all sweet things if you are genuinely part of your child's life. But being that he was not really part of his son's life, I mean, there was a completely uh, tremendous separation between the two. Correct. I thought that was bizarre. So his voice didn't match. The tone didn't match. The gestures didn't match the actual words that he was using. And on top of that, I thought one of his last sentences, which was, Grant, uh, I can't wait to throw the ball with you on that big field of dreams. Mm -hmm. The fact that he kind of invoked a movie. I know, I know. Bothered me. I thought that's a bizarre thing to do. Like, you know, you're talking about your son. You would be like blothering, like hysterical, like I I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to join up with you. I can't not, you know, like on the big field of, it just seemed like he was a complete imposter. So there's two things Mm. you could take away from this. The first being that he's, and I can't, I can't say medically that he's sociopathic. Right. But no, I get it. Yeah. Completely yeah. remove his emotions from a situation. 
That's possible, right? Well, he, he compartmentalizes very well, clearly. There's between, a difference there. Yeah. Oh, there, okay, okay. You know, th- there's a difference yeah. be- between being able to just compartmentalize yeah. and then completely removing emotions and making jokes. You or, mean in being a sociopath? Bizarre, like yeah, these yeah. bizarre references, like Field of Dreams, G-Money, Lukey, like all these things Yeah, tell me that he was... Again, one of two things. He's either, you know, not mentally capable of experiencing emotion. Uh, right. Or he really was not that close with his son. So this becomes a simpler thing. And instead of having to worry about genuinely emoting, right. he can just profess emotions or pretend emotions, you know, portend that there's something emotional going on inside of him when, in fact... He's just trying to get a point across. And this right. comes through with just simplistic things. I've wished that like I have wished when someone when somebody says something like I have wished. Y- you've put something in the past tense already. Mm-hmm. So that threw me. Those are the things just so you know, I look for. Yeah. I look for Wait, sorry. Can you uh, sorry. I'm just not following the past tense. What? So yeah. why is that a red flag exactly? Well, it's a red flag because he's telling you what he wished had happened in the past. But if you're talking in the present tense and you use the past tense, it becomes a bigger red flag. With this, it was more just because he he had brought in his own childhood. My father died when I was seven months old and like... Suddenly, yeah. this is all about him. So he he's all in the oh, past tense with okay, the okay. situation at large. And he he goes from this is a godly situation to then apologizing to the current pastor by saying this is now a grantly situation. And then from here on in, he starts using things like that was grantly. The rainbow was grantly. The, yeah. The, yeah, know, the yeah. baseball was grantly. And but before that, he's talking in terms of I think that this all happened because my father died uh, when I was seven months old. And then if that hadn't happened, then I might not have grown into the man that I was because of my stepfather. And right, then if right. it wasn't for my stepfather, I might not have met my wife, Angie. And if it wasn't for my wife, Angie, then I might like, he just talks about himself. So that's, that is 100% narcissistic. Totally. We don't even have to get into. Right. Right. Of course. And I just, for, for people listening and not everybody might know the entire backstory, but Grant's relationship with his father and, and even in the last two years, while you dissected the picture, the family picture that we saw a month or that was taken a month before his death, Grant and his dad did not spend any one-on-one time together besides possibly throwing a baseball around at before a game or whatever. However, Aaron was obsessed with Grant's baseball career. He would yes. come down hard on him. He would go to all his games front row. You know, those dads. I remember those dickhead dads. Sorry. Who were just, I would always look at them and be like, why are you so serious? It's T-ball. Calm down. But Aaron was one of those dads. So, and I'm not saying Grant played T-ball, but you get me. So Aaron also parents that sit there and they yeah. they ride their four year olds. Correct. Correct. Exactly. Be, yeah. That yeah. is exactly right. Now Aaron had always had this thing with Grant, where Grant he called Grant fat, and I spoke to Grant's girlfriend at length about this and how you know 
Grant was thin when he lived with his dad. He, his dad would basically not feed him. He would withhold food. And Grant was absolutely miserable. He hated his dad. He literally, I mean, I get like worked up about it just because the the change in Grant when he was able to go live with his mother for so long, he had color in his face again. He could eat food. He was happy. It's just like, you know, listening to Aaron's speech, it really just makes your blood boil. He is not a good person. And I just, it's, it's so infuriating. So and when you said Grant, when Grantly, Grantly, it's like, shut up, dude, shut right. up. You don't you have these involved in his life. Exactly. Yeah. So this, I think that's something that if your viewers and listeners don't yeah. know this already, mm-hmm. then I, I think I probably should have prefaced this conversation with that. It's, mm insane to recognize that this was a man who had not been involved at all i mean like he i'm pretty sure there was some red flags with the daughter so you know the whole point was keep keep him away from the family uh for the several years preceding the death so how dare you again portend to know what this man is like what this 18 year old man is like because you Mm. don't know what he's like and so the Grantley thing you have no idea what was Grantley and what wasn't because you don't know who he was all you knew was that you needed him to be your kind of lifeline you needed to live vicariously through your own son which is pathetic and sad but that is also a thing I think you nailed it I think you really just nailed it I feel feel like you nailed it with the narcissism. I mean, we all know he's a narcissist, but to address the fact that he talked about himself in a eulogy, I mean, that is just, that's sickening. And it's just like, yeah, if Grant didn't play baseball, I mean, would Aaron have even given a shit about him? I I really don't, I don't think he would would have. He would have been like, so my son was run over and I'm really sad. Yeah. Uh, but I still have a daughter. I think that would have been the end result. Actually. I know. I, I know. <laughs> no, really though. No, really. It, it's true though. But wait, how many times did he mention baseball also? Yes. It's like, dude, that was the we, whole thing. Yes, there was no exactly. relationship. It wasn't like my son and I, so, you know, you, you talk about horrible thoughts, but you, yeah. you want something like this and then you automatically rumble through all the things, uh, yeah. snuggling movies, <laughs> jokes, Little kind of tendencies that you both have, the the little secrets that you share, the winks, the smiles, the little hidden things that you share between parent and child. Yeah. In in the room, I have three kids and in any room, one of one of my kids will overhear something or say something. Yeah. And my husband and I and the other two kids will all bust out laughing just on a personal matter because that's how you know those babes. And so God forbid something happens. You're not talking about, oh, my son was a star athlete. You're talking about my son was my universe. My son was my guiding light. My son was everything I lived for because Mm. this is how I saw myself and and not that you want to be that, you know, mom or dad who says, oh, my whole life revolved around my child. But you want to be able to say my child had was so complex. There was so right. many unique pieces about him. Mm-hmm. Baseball was a major component. It was wonderful. He sure. was brilliant. Mm-hmm. But what made my son my son, what made him so important to this world was 
blah, 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 blah. Not yeah. baseball, baseball, baseball. And, and it's I, crazy I that because that was one of the reddest flags. It's like even just talking to Angie about him and, and, you know, knowing Angie as long as I've known her, which compared to most people, it's obviously a very short time. But I feel like I could give a eulogy about Grant just knowing from what she said about, yes. you know, how big his heart was and, and, you know, the relationship that he had with Jesus and God and how he was so grounded in his faith. And he was such a leader among his friends. He, you know what I'm saying? He was a protector of his mother and his sister. And his sister. Yes. yes. I mean, it's just like, how could Aaron not say how heartbreaking it was that Grant yes. has left his little, I mean, it's just, it's, it's sickening. He's truly a sick person. And something that you had asked me, when you initially watched this, you said, wait, was that Angie who got up and left in the red dress in the middle right. of his speech? And I said, wait a second, that's not Angie. Let me find out who that was. Well, that was one of Angie's friends who got physically so sick to her stomach when he was talking that she had to go vomit. I mean, that's real. Okay. That's yes. real. That's not made up. She literally physically gagged and vomited over his, his, yeah. So I think that's pretty powerful as well. I want to bring up one final thing yeah. before we we wrap this up. So at the end of his speech, when yeah. he says, again, Grant, I, I, I have wished for you, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, big field of dreams. Again, movie of reference, which is frustrating. But <laughs> as he's doing this, uh, his his hands are all over the place. Like his, if you watch his hands, if yeah. anybody has a chance to look, it's at on the freedom video. for Gracie Instagram account. Yeah. So you will see that his palms are, and his fingertips are kind of flexing and moving all over the place. And I, what I try to tell people, if they can't see it, then in your mind, visualize when you are listening or mm. talking or feeling some kind of really strong emotion, your body tenses up. So I was listening to him and I looked down and my fingertips were so deeply embedded into my palm that I had like prints. I had fingerprints embedded into my palm because when you become overly emotional, I cry often, right? I'm I'm a big (laughs) thing. So when you are involved, emotionally involved in a situation, you tense. That that is a normal behavior. You Mm. tense up. You don't like move your fingers around and, and move your body. You tense yeah. up because everything freezes. That's called fight or flight. It's an autonomic system. You can't even change it if you, unless you're hypnotized, you can't change that. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, watching him with his fingers dangling all over the place as he should have been in this heightened emotional state, which would have caused immense tension was Again, one of those signs that say, I don't know how emotionally you're experiencing this. Yeah. And I guess, you know, I know that you, you can't make this call professionally, but like all these things, it could make him a sociopath, right? Per Even se. a sociopath has emotions though. Okay, so a sociopath okay. is able to, so this is where, so a sociopath can come across very uh, manipulative and, and persuasive but they'll still feel the emotion so they would say a psychopath would not but i can't i can't i can't make that medical claim uh but even so i don't really think that he would 
based on the the listing, like there's a criteria for that. I don't think yeah. he would fall into that category. I personally think he just falls into a category of a father who wasn't as emotionally attached to his son as he would like others to believe he was. Yes. And what people obviously will argue is like, well, sure, but that doesn't make him a murderer, right? I mean, we're not talking about that right now, about the scene of the accident. But like, if we were in court, and let's say you were brought in to testify about this stuff, do you think the jury would say, okay, fine, he's crazy. He sounds like an idiot, you know, and it's he's fake as hell. But like, does that make him a murderer? Is No, but all the lies that he's told. Okay. Okay. Would, would right. those red flags, which can easily be pointed out, you know, based on his body was drugged. I, I still right, can't get right. it. Yeah. He, he said that mm-hmm. uh, there, there's no skidmark. I mean, all of those things we can discuss, but even with that, having listened to those words now that's when somebody might call me in and say well tanya do you think he's being honest and then i could easily say no based on listening to his voice and and baselining him again see now we've had an opportunity i've Mm. seen the eulogy i've watched him uh, while he's uh done his sports shows as well as when he's given the weather. So yeah. I did have a chance to baseline him only because you have to get some kind of idea. Otherwise you're really just spitballing, right? Yeah, so yeah. I did have an opportunity to baseline who he is, how he comes across, what his voice sounds like when he's feeling emotional and when he's feeling under the weather, when he's feeling like he's, uh, you know, being hit under the belt, so to speak. Right. So right. having said that, listening to that 911 call, yeah, put me put me in there. I'm more than happy to discuss yeah. what his voice sounded like as somebody who would be a a, a witness. I mean, I hope that we get I hope we get to the level where there will be a trial here and we can call you in because I mean, this is like it's invaluable information and it's it's just like when I listen to you, I'm just so I'm just so uh, I feel so educated because I had no idea. I had no idea about like the fingers and the, you know, I guess your voice matching your movements naturally and and so on. But the last thing I want to just ask you about that kind of bothered me um, is the beginning when he gets up there. I really was so effing bothered by those deep breaths he took where he's like, and I'm just like, bro, God, you're so fake. I mean, yeah. to you, was that so fake and rehearsed? Like he had to get up there and was like, okay, breathe deep so they can hear me. Like I'm, I'm hurting, you know? Yeah. Well, because there needs to be that. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. You have to hear the emotion. So uh, frustrating. That, that just sets the stage now for, you know, it's, it's interesting. A quick thing, because I, I know you have to go, but a quick mm. thing on this is when you put in what's called an anchor in somebody's mind, and mm. that anchor would be those breaths. Those <clears throat> yep. The, the anchor, which unless you're under five years old, yeah. you, you know <laughs> that those breaths mean that you're in, incredibly emotional, right? I mean, uh, you have young kids. I know that yeah. they must recognize if you go, they go, mommy, yes. what's wrong? Yes, right? yes. of course. That's of called course. an emotional trigger. 
Okay, so mm-hmm. that is a psychological manipulation tactic that people will use. So he does this, he draws the crowd in. So automatically the crowd feels like he's so emotional about this whole situation. Yep. But then you hear him and he's just cold and calculated until he yep. gets to the point where he needs to then once again invoke the manipulative tool with yep. the Oh my gosh. Those breaths just felt so rehearsed. Like he was like, okay, I'm going to get up there. And like you said, I'm going to make everyone feel like I'm so emotional. So I'm going to take some deep breaths. But Lauren, don't kid yourself. Those deep breaths are not just, they're not just done so that people get the idea that he's feeling this. They're done because we know on a scientific level that if we build a trigger in mm. you and then we snap our fingers, we can make that trigger make you feel certain emotions. Ooh. And those emotions mirror him. So yes. if I can if I can plant that seed of emotion in you before I even start talking, mm. and then once that plant is seeded, I can kind of bring it up whenever I want. And again, Hypnosis specialty. That is what I do. Also, I'm telling you, that is one of the most powerful manipulation tools Mm. you'll find. It's not just, oh, I remember that he did that in the beginning. It hits you and then you feel it. And we have numerous politicians who do this on a regular basis. They plant seeds and then they they let those seeds kind of grow and then rip them when they need to. So So this is something that is done with People worldwide, especially, especially people who are very good at manipulation. And as somebody who has been in media, he knows how to plant a seed and then how to kind of press that button to make sure that that seed gets watered. Right. Right. No, you, yeah, you really, um, you echoed everything I was, I was thinking and you just solidified this. I think for all of us who have watched this and just been so bothered and so disgusted and just, oh God, poor Angie, poor Gracie, just sitting there having to watch that. Ugh. Why is this not more mainstream? That is my question. Tanya, because this my is my question. <laughs> is trying to find this like on mainstream media. I know. And, you know, I- I've done documentaries on area 51 and yet I can't find anything on Aaron Solomon. Like this just seems mind blowing to me that it's not out there and you have to search for it. And even when you search for it, it's like searching for Gidget. There's nothing. I mean, we, we you're doing an amazing job. There is no, no, but I, I gotta tell you, and, and this is, you know, I wasn't planning on putting this out there, but I'm just going to, at this point, I I've, Pitch the hell out of this. Okay, I'm going to cut off the last part of our conversation because Tanya and I just go into uh, me being frustrated that national news and media is not picking up this story. So, um, yeah, I won't I won't bore you with the details of that. But yeah, that was pretty powerful. Everything Tanya said, I 100% agree. If you didn't watch the eulogy. I know I obviously played it for you guys. If you didn't watch it, I would suggest you go watch it so you can see what she's talking about just with his hand movements. And he's just so, he's so awkward. He's so 
cringy. And it just, it makes me so angry because I deep down, deep, deep down, and this is, of course, my opinion. I don't have, I don't have, you know, hard proof just yet. I just really, really, truly believe that he was involved in his son's death. And, and I think that at this point, you know, only God knows. And, and, you know, Aaron and, and maybe these three men, I, I don't know, but it's, it keeps me up at night, you guys. So, um, I'm going to keep on with this and just, you know, keep doing the best that I can. But thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Corruption. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.